Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. To hell and back is in the job description. Being roughed up, scuffed up, run over, kicked, thrown, dropped, dunked, and done the unthinkable is a duty we've embraced for more than 40 years. Through superior engineering and constant innovation, only Pelican has conquered the chaos a life of ambition can dish out. And we've done it to empower you. Yeah, Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. I can hear Drew breathing like crazy right now. Really? That's because yeah. I'm still, you know, my heart's still pounding from the Susquehanna smallmouth that would they just train wreck your spinnerbait or whopper plopper. So I'm still like excited. <laughs> well, glad to have everybody back. Uh, another good show. We got one of everybody's favorites coming uh, back to join us again uh, to cover the the probably one of the most popular Hobie stops out on the Susky. And for, sure. it, for most people, Drew, Drew had a pretty, you know, you know, decent weekend. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't want to waste any time. Everybody loves this guy right here. So here he is, Mr. Back-to-back winner, Jody Queen. What's up, Jody? Hey, guys. <laughs> What's Good up, buddy? You. Not much, man. Living the dream. Cashing checks, man. That's right. He's cashing checks with his cash and rods. <laughs> cashing checks and, and paying bills. <laughs> that's right. And paying bills with it. Man, that's about all we do anymore. I don't think there's a I, I could ever get to a point at all where I could like cash a check and it not go immediately to something. You know, like oh <laughs> so, we were. Jody, glad to have you back, man. It's yeah. uh, always a pleasure. Uh, you're always Good fun to, to talk here. to. Glad, glad to have you with Drew here. I'm sure Drew's going to drill you with some questions if he hasn't already, because I know y'all are hanging out down there. Uh, yeah. So let's just uh, lead right into uh, what the Susquehanna is for anybody that hasn't been up there, such as myself. So, and Drew, again, you were there. So if you want to talk about it, Jody, whoever. 
Go ahead, Joe. You, you take it away, buddy. I, I mean, about the river, I know the Susquehanna is in low water times is a slow moving, docile, easily navigated smallmouth factory. And <laughs> when it was at the water levels it was, it makes it, you know, a little more challenging. You know, you got a lot more current. You got to, you know, I mean, and I, I know Drew is a paddler, man. I'm telling you, hats off to you, brother. I mean, I mean, what you did up there was amazing uh, paddling in, in that, that type of current. Uh, I mean, I had problems with my 360 drive. Just, you know, it was it was a good stiff current. Uh, good job and congratulations. But, yeah, the river is uh, the, the, the common denominator between both of those conditions is you still smash them. And uh, I mean, it's that type of fishery, and that's the reason why it draws crowds that it that it does. I mean, that, that Hobie BOS out there. I mean, I think last year it was well over over 100, 129, something like that. This year it's 139. I mean, it, I think it's always going to be that way there. I mean, and there, the yeah. local contingent there is, you know, is, they show up in mass too, man. It's strong. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a bucket list, no doubt yeah. about it. It's a bucket list destination. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's the top of it's the top of place you go on vacation. I mean, not just to fish a tournament, but you just you want to go there because of the of the smallmouth there. Yeah, it's beautiful, scenic. Now, one thing I'll say about it is yeah. because it's it's very unique in the fact that it's so wide and it's so shallow. It's wide and shallow, not you know wide and deep yes. like the Mississippi. And and it's right. clear right. clear in the summer, uh, especially clear in the summer which does allow plant growth, right? Aquatic vegetation. So, okay. Just if you yes. could actually develop, you know, a perfect smallmouth, you know, scenario ecosystem, this would be it. A lot of clear water times, vegetation, right. uh, all different kinds of grass and tons of rock, obviously. So it's got shoals and, ra and, and rapids, you know, obviously you've got everything for smallmouth yep. there. And the, what really makes it great is the fact that because you have all of that, Everything I describe is creating surface area. The more surface area you have in a fishery, um, the more places bait can hide, crawfish, helgramites. Therefore, you can support more of your bigger fish, like smallmouth, obviously your predators. Within lakes, a lot of lakes, you don't have all that, all that surface area because you got a lot of dead water, because there's a lot of depth, and then there's a point where oxygen doesn't go, so therefore you lose that part of the lake. Then you got all that open water and there's just tons of dead water. The Susquehanna is so rare and unique because yeah. there's like no place where oxygen is depleted. It's got life everywhere. Right. So therefore that's why it's great. I yeah. mean, lakes just lakes silt in over time and they bury all the, the, the um, surface area I'm talking about with the rocks and boulders and the grass. Yeah. And, and so anyway, it's just a, a magical place and obviously holds a lot of big, smallmouth and it's so big and wide that nobody can and it's so big and wide for so long it just it, it almost could never be over pressured really it's very challenging to get into a lot of those places for boats especially so it's it's hard for that place to get over pressured even in today's you know high pressured society so do you ever find yeah. on the susky do you ever find the like too much of a good thing situation like you do like when you find the new fishing spot on a lake and like let's say like lay downs is the thing, but there's 5 million of them and you, you know, you don't have a fish on every one. Is there any of that or is it just kind of a free for all up there? 
I mean, I, I haven't experienced that on the Susky. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, you know, I've been on, you know, I tell you, an, an example is standing timber lakes. I mean, I've been on lakes with nothing but standing timber, in it, and I've not caught anything off of it. The Susky's not really quite like that. Uh, it's like it has the right amount of everything. I mean, you, when you're standing there, there's a spot right there in front of the ferry boat campground. One day, I, I just I pulled out and I got to a shallow area and I got out of my boat and I just looked and counted. There was 12 grass beds in that area and some of them were a half acre, you know, three quarters of an acre. And that was just what I could see from looking there. And, you know, and moving up that bank, all the shoots and, you know, that go in between those grass beds can hold fish and, they're all areas within reach. What I mean by that is you don't have to leave an area to go find an area. You don't have to leave the standing timber to go find the roadbeds. You know, it's all right there. It's right. all right there. If they're not on the grass, they're, they're on the eel grass on the flats right next to it, you know? So, mm -hmm. and you can, and it's easy. It's an easy territory to cover. You, you got to, you know, spend some time doing it, but, Man, if they're pulled up on something, they're pulled up on something all over. Yeah. That that makes me just hate. This was the one event that I really wanted to, like I did a couple of places this year. I haven't been, but this is the one that I really, really wanted to make just because the moving current and being able to wade yeah. or stuff like that's mm -hmm. my, that's my favorite way to fish. And I've talked, I, I know some locals. I would suggest that would, anybody. Yeah. 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 yeah I would suggest sure, anybody that has any, any inkling of of you know wanting to explore that area and never has you need to go anybody yeah. out yeah. there if you're on the fence about it go ahead and jump over i you hope know, they go it's, i it's hope they go back it. there next year hopefully they will go back with a good turnout but i mean i know i'm not a proponent of going back to places over over and over but sometimes there's just exceptions to the rule and then the susquehanna is so, one of those and they can expand the boundaries or move it to a little bit different area and still get some newness to it, but with the same awesome fishing. So hopefully they'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I know well, the fact that they opened up the, the large mount area down at the lower end of the river there, you know, that was, that was pretty cool for, you know, people who wanted to, you know, the large mouth contingent. And actually, right. uh, you know, I talked to Jay Wallen up there. And he said that he dropped down in there, you know, he went there one day and pre-fished and actually caught a couple of nice 18-inch largemouth, but it, he just felt like the smallmouth was going to outshine that. You know, so yeah. He, he went and, they the smallmouth. yeah. and they opened up a lot of the yeah. Juniata, too, didn't they, this year? A lot more of it than last year, I believe. Yes, they did. I mean, the, yes. So All that, the way up was, to the Thompson ramp, which is about a 17-mile yeah. stretch. Yeah, that was helpful. Yeah. So, Jody, let me ask you this, man. Um, what you were saying – is basically, you know, so if, if you guys are listening, you've never been to the Susquehanna, you've got um, like a willow grass that's uh, growing actually from, you know, the ground, right? In these grassy islands you're talking about. And with the water being up now, those smallmouth can hide in that grass, right? And the bait fish can as well. They give them mm -hmm. somewhere to go. You've got that where the fish right. were. The fish were also on um, in the eel grass, which is which doesn't quite, I mean, yes. it comes to the surface some, but it's a different kind of grass. That's another kind of grass they, they really like. You've got, um, you know, shoals and rapids, right? And you've got the subtle shoals that are covered by the river at this level. Then you've got the actual true rapids, 
with the big boulders that create the current breaks and the, and the nice plunge pools where you catch them in. So then, of course, you've got wood, actual yeah, wood the ledges. on the bank. Yeah. So you got all those places that the smallmouth hold. And at the results, I remember hearing stories from every angler saying they caught fish out of each of those types of water. So to your point a second yes, ago, winning, winning fish could have come from any one of those. You don't need to go leave a certain type of uh, you know cover to find fish because they're right. on a different type of cover per se. But you do need to find out what's special about your particular type of of cover your fishing, whether it, it's in the rapids and the shoals, it's the wood, it's the grass islands. And one thing that I found uh, is exactly what you said at the results. Uh, and I know people listening to this, you know, may not have watched those results, but basically you and I did find that one pattern that was similar. And that was, um, I had a school, a little window, a school of fish for about 30 minutes at 8 AM on the second day at the very head of an Island. It was a true Island with, with trees, but the head of the Island had grass, the, the willow grass. And it created this little flat in front of it. And the smallmouth were busting bait there. And if you guys <laughs> yeah. ever find smallmouth yeah. on the on the front side of a log, a boulder, an island, grass island, they're always there to feed because there's not a lot of current breaks on the front side. Current breaks are on the back side. So you kind of have to learn on each each time you go to a river, are they are they being lazier on the back side or are they on the front side being very aggressive? Fortunately for me, I saw them, like you were saying, I could see the minnows flickering, the bait. They're very small. And then the smallies would crush them. And I threw out there with a the plopper, caught a couple on a plopper, then went to a small light wire spinnerbait, burning it on the surface. But every time I'd catch one, i put it on the board, take a photo. I go back to fishing. It's about a five-minute gap between, you know, three or four-minute gap. They're already crushing yeah. bait again, and I'm back out there catching another one. And I probably caught six or seven, all 16 and a half to 18 and three-quarter inches off that one flurry. And then – and then I couldn't find, I couldn't duplicate it uh, again. Any other islands, it was just something special about that area. And then I went and found them on some wood later, and had a similar flurry where the wind and the and the weather changed, and all of a sudden, every fish on that bank on the wood, I was I caught the same number, like ten fish, all like sixteen to nineteen and a quarter off of uh off the wood on this this one bank, and I lost uh, a couple that probably would have uh, had me kind of around uh, around the same length as you and. And who knows? But you lost some too. But, so that's just how that's just fishing, you know. But yeah. Anyway, that's that's what I yeah. Found. That's just fishing, and you're absolutely correct, dude. You're absolutely correct. I mean, there was a window, and it, it happened both days. I uh, got lucky on the second day because it happened twice. But I was in. I just wanted to be in a certain area because on day one it happened for me, and in, in the area that I was fishing, it happened about I don't know nine, nine thirty, ten somewhere in there. And uh, I made sure on day two that I was in that area when those fish were setting up on the front ends of those yeah. those grass beds. And and you could tell because I could see two or three grass beds over. I could see bait flickering. And I I, I would immediately head to that grass bed. And, and eight times out of ten, I was, I was catching a nice smallmouth off of them. And, uh, mm -hmm. and like you say, anytime, you know, you got to think of a smallmouth like this. And, and this is true for other things, too, but especially smallmouth. The biggest fish always get the best spawning spots. The biggest fish always get the best areas to feed. So the fronts of those grass beds is where those fish load, those bait fish load up. Big fish are going to be right at the tip of them in that push water. Yep. feeding up in there that's that's where all my better fish came from i mean i 
I caught a few nice fish down in the current seams and, and in other places, but my 19s that I caught and my 18 and a half and 18s, they all come off the front of those grass beds. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. And so let's that much water. Well, that makes it even more fun. Oh yeah. Let's take a step back and kind of hit the pre-fish in front of it. Um, On top of how did you approach it? What kind of advice would you have for someone that hasn't been up there? I saw some comments and I can't remember where of guys that got out of their comfort zone and went, up to the susky to fish, you know, a moving, moving body of water that can be intimidating for a lot of people. Right. So something as you know, big, wide and moving as the susky for someone never have doing it. What's your best way to approach it to kind of break it down, figure out where you're going to fish, especially cause it's common knowledge. You're, you're not the only people that say that, that it's covered in good smallmouth, and that, you know, you can be just about anywhere and catch a flurry like you're saying. So, big question for both of you. If you want to start, I mean, I, I can tell you, and I can tell you one experience I had with someone that was a friend of mine who wasn't used to fast water and fishing moving water. The first place I took him was an area of the Susky that had a decent amount of flow coming into it, but it was a slow hole that we started in. And you know, he got comfortable with it and gradually, and got used to the current. And we ended up going in, you know, into the heavier flows, and he was fine. And, uh, you know, and he, he caught great fish and I mean, he was ready to go back that first experience up there. It, I mean, it, if you're kind of on a learning curve anyway, you don't want to jump right into the ledges, man, you know, you're not going to do that. So yeah, I just pick an area that's, that's easily, easily traversed and, 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 uh, you know, a little bit slower and then work your way up to the rest of it. And there's plenty of areas like that on the system. Oh yeah. And those yeah, you know sure. areas like he's explaining for for anybody listening that doesn't fish moving water, you know you fish any kind of moving creek or river anywhere that uh, an area that has good inflow, but has that slowdown, you know that's a good area, especially if you've got any kind of rock or grass on top of it too, because you've got you know oxygen and moving current coming in for the aggressive fish, and then some of them will I don't know how many times you know you. You'll go out there, think that you're going to catch them in the heavy current, and then they're actually like in the very bottom of that slack water, or they're catching in a mm-hmm. current seam, right. or in an you know off the eddy. You know, it's just uh, that's a good area. You know, like let's say you're not yeah. a confident person paddling in current, that just gives you a perfect opportunity to do do well and stay in your comfort zone. 
What about you, Drew? Any advice on that? Yeah, I mean, you really need to, this is very important to have the right watercraft for um, a river. Not every boat is really, you know, best suited for it. You need something that can maneuver pretty well. And, and granted, if you're really good at, uh, you know, pedal drive kayak and with the water level the way it was, you know, a little higher this time, um, you know, you could definitely use those, especially if you need to, to you know, kind of run fast to some of your spots. You can kind of outrace the competition. I know Ewing Minor, which is, is we haven't really actually mentioned him yet in the standings, but he got second. And uh, we'd, be, we'd be remiss not to mention him. He was uh, Jody was first, obviously. Ewing was second. I was third. And he told me he did, he had to, you know, 20 people launch and hit his launch and he had to like go. So that was very helpful um, in that area because it sounded like he was in a spot that didn't have a ton of big rapids, but he's also a younger guy and, and can, you know, he's really athletic. So I think he can handle stuff real well, but most people, um, if you're going to go try, you know, anywhere that actually has some true rapids, you, you know, you probably need a little bit smaller maneuverable kayak. You know what I mean? And, and I wasn't really, even though I was in a kayak like that, you know, like you mentioned, Jody, I was paddling. I actually didn't fish an area that was, you know, ledges and rapids. You know what I mean? It wasn't really like that. But just be careful about which boat you're in because it's very easy to get in a pinch there. And and there are certain hole shapes, uh, you know, that lend themselves better to, you know, working the, a river in the rapids because you need maneuverability is key in a river to avoid obstacles because you're moving downstream fast. And it's also very key to when you, you kind of, you know, ferry across, you want water to slide under your kayak. You want it to slide, not, not hit a broad wall or multiple, you know, tri hole where there's all kinds of area where the, the friction of the water can push you further downstream when you're, your side, what you're perpendicular with the current. So just be careful, get yourself in, in a good boat for it. Um, and, and just become really research about being a better paddler. I know we like to watch videos on fishing uh, for sure, but when you're river fishing guys, it's just as important to learn how to become a better paddler because that's all going to get you in the proper position to make those casts. If you can't get your boat in the position, no matter if you're a, a charter captain for tuna or a bass boat angler or a kayak angler, that's that you're never going to be successful. So I would just say pay very much importance to the right kayak and learning to be a better paddler when you're river fishing. Pad paddling, this is the biggest part. I see too many guys. We have local float areas here that, yeah. you know, they get moving and – you see people, I don't want to say panic, but they'll go, you know, as they're coming through a chute or where a current swaps them around, they just ease their paddles in the water. You know, there's something very simple is you have to be moving faster or slower than what the current is to be able to correct. Yep. You know, it's right. like you can't slow down by just easing your paddle in the water. You have to, you have to dig, you have to, you know, you have to do aggressive J's to get hard turns and like you said, a lot of it's the kayak. I don't feel honest. Honestly, I've been in a few pedal kayaks and I don't feel comfortable in pedal kayaks in current areas. I probably the whole design and I don't feel like it's responsive enough because I like to be able to turn quickly when I'm in those, those, you know, switchbacks and stuff like that. I, I like to be really in control of it and I don't feel that way with pedals. Yeah, maybe they're better. Tell me this, Jody. Well, did you do a single access or did you do a float? I did a single access during pre-fishing and uh, decided on a float. Uh, yeah. You know, I understand what you're saying, Jimmy. That's that's a good point to make. And, and uh, you know, with the Hobie and the 360, you're not just – you just don't have a paddle that goes – it's just not a 
180. It's not back and right. forth, back and forth, and you're just relying on your rudder. And and that boat for its size turns really well in that water. Uh, the smaller boats, like uh, man, Drew, the, that little Jackson Coosa yeah. was a, was a great boat. That you yeah, in there, man. I, I was probably one of my favorite river boats. Mm -hmm. The uh, RS one seventeen and the Bonafide, man. That's a, that's a great little river boat. Uh, I mean, these companies. You know, some of these companies have great little river boats. You just got to do a little bit of research, like Drew says, and, and just find the one that's going to maneuver well for you and, and get out there and, and you can be safe in it. Yeah. You know, Chris yeah, has I, got I, their line, too. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've been watching yeah, I was you in and your boat, man. Those, those little boats, yeah. man, they, they well. <laughs> yeah, it was just – I was in a CK1 Venture. I think it's only like eight ninety nine. I mean, it's not expensive. And I believe yeah. the other one, the ultralight that I use a lot is a 10-footer. Um, not everybody can fit in a 10-footer yeah. like I can, but – um, it's only like seven ninety nine. So, uh, you know, you can get out there and, and yeah. boats like that, like you're saying, these inexpensive paddle boats and do well. But I was just curious if, uh, if you're doing a float downstream in that, that, uh, 360 drive with the Hobie, I can understand how that is nice because you can, oh, yeah. you can spin that any direction and kind of move maneuver any direction, including, uh, backwards. If you need to slow yourself down, oh. right. I mean, you can go back upstream, yeah, uh, well, even though you're the facing big, downstream. The, the big thing. Yeah, the the big thing that that for me on, on the on the especially on the Susky up there was I can stop and I'm hands free. I'm not paddling the whole position. I'm not dropping an anchor. Which, in my opinion, when you drop an anchor in swift current and you're close to the bank, it it changes the dynamic of the water flow. Those fish feel it. It's 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 different. They got something thumping the bottom. And I just hate dropping an anchor in that, in that situation, especially in the clear water. But yeah, it allowed me to, you know, if I'm going to sat down the side of a grass bed, I can turn completely around and just hold myself and fish every inch of that grass bed. I don't have to paddle. So I'm making more casts. I've spent more time in, in the strike zone. Mm -hmm. Now, the drawbacks to that are, you know, shallow, fast moving areas with rock sticking up. If you, if you uh, get your, drive hung on a rock top you it will throw you it can throw you over you have to be very vigilant about you know stuff sticking up below the surface of the water uh, it's a definite drawback and sometimes you get hung hung on something out in the current and the drive won't come out you know because it's twist or right. something and you can't get it because it has to be directly you know so those are things you got to kind of watch out for in, in a craft yeah. like i'm in in, in the hobie pa 14 yeah, but, we were uh, a good. We had a good, a good water level. Advantage. Yeah. Yes, sure. we had. It was perfect. Good. Perfect for that moment. It, it was. was, you know. But look, this is kind of my point. Was uh, I was asking if you single access or did a float? I was thinking that the the Hobie would be really good for single accessing and going upstream. It'd be awesome for that. I mean, and that sounds like you are spinning yeah. around to hit those grass beds. You are spinning around. Now you're facing upstream. So even though you did a float mm -hmm. down, you did a lot of spinning around to face face upstream. Oh, I, your, I did a lot of traversing. Yeah, right. Yes, I would. Yep. I would go down. I would go down one side of an aisle and go around the tip and go back up the other side. Right, right. Yeah. It's, so I spent a lot, of, lot of time moving upstream. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is my favorite Absolutely. way to fish. I'd rather be fishing upstream any day of the week. You know. Yeah, I ended up. Fish for doing the same thing single access and i ended up going four miles yep. upstream at one point i wasn't Ooh. planning yeah. on doing it uh but i ended up going that far 
uh, and it only just because I sort of had to I didn't do any pre-fishing because I wasn't feeling good as uh, I think I explained on stage and I yeah. even threw up the, the first day of the tournament uh, Riverside uh, whatever yeah Riverside <laughs> but another man. yeah I felt better after that but anyway the um, dedication man yeah on the water <laughs> yeah I did that with the, you and Corey uh, <laughs> yeah. in Florida that time I, I think that's illegal isn't it I mean good lord what's going on with, <laughs> with me but uh anyway what's weird is neither occasion was was i drinking or anything but i but it felt like i was because when i threw up you know back in college whenever like you feel better right if you throw well i felt a lot better both times so i guess i just had a bug or something anyway but i went upstream and it was never the plan but i'll say this just as a a, if you guys you know watching or listening want to learn something here I had uh, multiple places I was going to move to. I single access, and I was going to move to another spot if it wasn't panning out because I didn't have time to pre-fish. I was kind of going on a little history, but but I had history in multiple places on the river. So to me, I, I feel like I fish with confidence. It feels good knowing that if if this place doesn't work out, I can pull out. And I had a plan with, with some other competitors, friends of mine, to put it in another mm-hmm. spot, and I was just going to go down, depending on what time I got there, until whenever, wherever, and then just call them, hey, I'm here, come pick me up. And so that gave me some confidence for sure on both days. And then the second day I just stumbled onto them and, and figured it out. So I kept going upstream like crazy and uh, ended up four miles <laughs> way up way up the river. So, But I do like going upstream because what you said, Jody, uh, It, I mean, I like both, okay? For covering lots of water, downstream is certainly better. Yeah. But – Upstream is nice because the way those laydowns, when you're fishing wood, fall down, they get pressed a little bit more at, the, at a downstream angle. Your cast get more parallel right with them. Yeah, you get less hangups, and you cover more of the strike zone with those moving and reaction baits, which it's a good transition now. We Absolutely. probably should uh, talk about, you know, the bait I was using was a three-quarter ounce sling blade spinner bait from Z-Man, and I modify it heavily with a, a second skirt on it. So it's a bright chartreuse skirt. I put a second skirt to bulk it. I put a Streaks 3.75 to get it a little – it's just a little fluke-style um, soft plastic jerk bait to get that that little tail kicking at the end of that skirt and fluttering. And then I uh, bend the wire, and I keep yep. the, I, pinch, I pinch those blades to get them super close to the hook. And I actually bend it, take make another bend. And so it's real tight. It's a good little river spinner bait. And, uh, Jody, you were, you were using uh, some Z-Man stuff as well, right? Oh, everybody knows what Mr. Yeah, Jody yeah, was using. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you see this or not? This this is the Z-Man uh, jackhammer. This is the go. bluegill color right there. Yep. And uh, this Love is it. a three-eighths ounce, but I was also throwing a half, a half ounce, uh, which worked really well in that in that water. But I, I was I spent part of the day burning. Now, the trailer, my trailer of choice was this, uh, the minnows. Uh, in the in the gold rush, oh, I like that. Uh, I like the reason why. The, the reason why I like this gold rush in, in that stained water is the the paddle on the end of that tail is is it's got a nice broad paddle on it, so you're getting a little extra vibration from it, and it's not quite as long as the diesel right. minnow and the razor shad. So when those fish are coming up, they're getting hit closer to the hook, and you know that can be key in muddy water. So you want you want that bait a little tighter, you know, under the skirt. So th- those yeah. were key for him. I did have a finesse uh, a finesse pattern on day one as a backup pattern, and I actually 
I hooked a big one, about a 20-incher, and it got off on me. But I was using a shaky head around that wood. Uh, if I come up on big logs or something like that on the bank, I just pull up and drop a, a shaky head down. And uh, I was using the uh, uh, the bang sticks uh, in a mud bug color and uh, with about a 3 sixteenths to a quarter ounce head uh, and just dropping along those logs. And I picked up actually two of my fish came off a shaky head uh, on day one. Nice. Nice. Very nice. I like using the four inch swimmers too. Uh, the swimmers, like you said, has a little bit broader boot tail. The four inch swimmers, I I, yep. I prefer it over the four inch diesel meadow. Uh, if it's in the color, I need to match the, match the chatterbait. For example, they don't make a green pumpkin four inch swimmer. So I use the diesel minnow, the four inch diesel minnow and green pumpkin, which you could use the minnows like you're talking about. But uh, I I'd mm -hmm. usually use that four inch, uh, you know, green pumpkin diesel. But guys, that gold rush is a great color. They make it in the four inch swimmers, and it has more of that boot tail that just like it moves more water and just thumps. And I, I like that color too a lot. So uh, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are fifteen dollars a month when you purchase a three month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Good, good call on that. I gotta, yeah, I gotta I, know, Jody. Yeah, I'll give you a good example. I go ahead, Jody. Go ahead, Jim. Jim. No, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. I, I, during the national, during the national championship uh, the last year, uh, I was fishing a lake, and the fish were on the spawn. This is another time of the year where, where fish tend to hit short, and or you just you skin hook them. A lot, you know, when you're using these moving baits. And I was using a diesel minnow, and what I ended up doing was I was cutting part of the diesel minnow off, and I started catching those fish because they were just they were grabbing the tail and swimming with it, and these were big fish doing it, and uh, that that made the difference. So you know, when I found the swimmers that like you like in the uh, in these minnows here, I, I started using them when when the fish were just tapping at it or just grabbing it, fitting yep. it or something like that. Uh, and just shorten that up a little bit, get it closer to the end of the skirt and the hook, and a lot of times it'll, it can make, make a difference in, in catching those fish and just getting packed. What I was going to ask Jody is, you know, it's real obvious that, you know, jackhammers are saying, I mean, we talk about it every time we have you on. You you do good with that bait. Yeah. Um, Z-Man <laughs> dropped a couple new chatterbaits uh, at ICAST, and they have the uh, cross-eyes. Yeah. Have you played with any of those yet? Do you like any of that? Not yet. I just actually got some uh, some of the cross-eyes. Uh, I'm, I'm dying to get them uh, get them out on the water and get them in the right environment and, and use a couple of them. I'm really interested in that broad-bladed bait because mm -hmm. uh, there was one person in the top ten that didn't throw a chatterbait. They threw a wake bait, and they hmm. smashed them. I mean, it's Christine Fisher, and yeah. she 
she stayed with that that wake bait and smashed them. And I'm thinking, you know, that real wide bladed bait might actually make a nice wake bait chatter bait. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I burn yeah. some of these sometimes, yeah. and they're just on the surface. And yep. it might make. I, I'm really interested in seeing how that pans out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I got. It, it I'm, I'm making an order right now. <laughs> so, Oh, dude, it'll yeah. it'll make a great wake bait. I do the same thing. And by the way, I actually didn't catch a fish on chatterbait. I hardly threw it. Also, so I didn't do chatterbait either. Yeah, I was just all spinnerbait and whopper yeah. plopper. All, all my fish came on those two baits, every one of them. But um, yeah. But dude, the new Mini yeah. Max is going to be really good. The new Mini Max chatterbait for Z that's the one I'm excited for. Uh, yeah. that's a good smallmouth size. It comes in a half ounce as well, so you got yep. the smaller package, but in a, a heavy weight that can handle, yep. you know, the current on the, the Susquehanna and places so like that. Yep. The big blade chatterbait will yep. be solid wake bait, and what you said is very interesting. I, we're both sponsored by Z-Man, so we know these products well. And uh, you know, what I will say yes. is, and I've mentioned this on uh, the Hooked on Wild Waters pod podcast with Ken, that's getting changed to the River Bassin podcast when we do our next one. So we're excited about that uh, name change and to get back into diving into river strategy, which is really what that podcast started out as anyway. But, uh, but I will say this, I've yeah. mentioned this on that podcast, the Z-Man plastics float because they float. And because you have different yeah. lines, you can use fluorocarbon and mono and obviously, you know, braid you can, you can tweak. If I put a five inch diesel minnow on a three eighths ounce chatterbait, you've got more, more floating material and it wake baits much better than if you just put the little four inch, you know, three or whatever, three inch minnows on there. So you can play with yep. how, what you want it to do. I mean, it's almost like you have the choice yes. of a quarter ounce, really, even though it's three eighths, when you add the, that plastic to it, it really fishes more like a quarter in the sense that it, it rises it more. Yep. So really you can play around with like every little micro adjustment you can get with the different plastics with all the different chatter baits and get it just where you want it. And I love spitting yep. it on the surface, like you're saying, Jody, and three eighths ounce is the best for that uh because uh, the half you got to burn a lot quicker yes i love i love too. doing that yeah me too man it's awesome i love i love you know you can take that three eighths ounce drew and i'm sure you've done this you take that three eighths ounce and start it out like a uh, like a swim jig i mean let let mm -hmm. it hit pop 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 let's say pop 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 and then start your retreat there, there's there's just so many it's such a versatile bait and uh, I've seen times when they, they, they wanted it really fast. And, and I'll take a, a, a half ounce and an eight three to one reel and just burn it, mm -hmm. you know, burn it right across the top of the water. And uh, it just, there's, it's so versatile, man. There's so much you can do it with is. it once you start learning it. It's uh, 100%. crazy. And that's why, you know, you and I both yep. fish a lot of chatterbaits. I use the Project Z a lot. Um, it's, it's my, probably my favorite yep. one. Uh, but I will say mm -hmm. this the, um, the chatterbait is so versatile. Let's go to the opposite now. They make uh, the jackhammer in an ounce and a quarter, and the Project Z goes up to an ounce. And I've used those plenty, plenty of yes. times to get down deep. So it's not just a shallow water bait or a fast moving. You can, like you're saying, go deep with them now with those weights. It's it's crazy how versatile it is, and it's why you hear us talk about all we threw was was a chatterbait or whatever. But it's not like we're throwing the exact same one, the exact same size. We're changing yeah. it up and, and fishing it right. totally different often so it's just that versatile right. bait man that so. yeah that ounce and a quarter at, at the dams on the tennessee river oh, is yeah. oh man it is money i want to give that a try an ounce and a quarter gets down them, them mm -hmm. fast holes and you're going down 12 15 feet i just throw it out and let it sink man sink mm -hmm. to the bottom and just drag it man them big small mouth to pick them up 
Pickwick is a good example. Wilson's a good example. I mean, there's yeah. big smallmouth in those areas, and, and that ounce and a quarter is perfect for that. It's like a big ledge Jody, buster spinner baits. They get down ounces. Jody's talking my neck of the woods now, so I'm taking there notes. You there you go. Yeah. Um, well, I will – just because we haven't got into the numbers yet, I'm going to get into the numbers real quick. Um, so day one, uh, Jody was actually down in fifth on day one with 91 inches and Drew was 13th with 88 and a quarter. Had a, had a couple of guys up there pretty good. Not uh, Sean Perkins, 93 and three quarters. Joe Eisner, 92. And Mr. Joe McElroy, uh, he also had 92 inches. So you guys uh, – Go over your day ones and then what adjustments you made, if any, going into day two that obviously helped you surpass these guys and get to the top spots. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind of brief here. We've touched on a lot of it already, but I'll, I'll just say that, you know, day one without the, the you know ability to pre-fish, I just kind of went and, and just kind of was trying to figure out all those about five or six key locations and key structure types that they live on i was just trying to determine where are they and i caught a couple of fish on a whopper plopper early and thought that was going to be the deal and i actually ended up catching most all i think four of my fish on it but they weren't on that like i thought they would be and it was a grind to get those fish and later i had to move to uh when it got sunny moved to the grass bed the grass edges so i caught some on the grass edges and the head of an island where history did help me there it wasn't the same island that i had the flurry on on day two that i talked about but it was the exact same situation and i remember last year in the clear water how many times i would go over the head of something that just shallow and very pebbly and you don't think any, anything's there or anything of it you're standing up and next thing you know a big small mouse spooks yeah. away and you're like crap there was one right there like on nothing yep. so i remembered that that was the case last year and i caught a fish Yep, they are never, never too shallow. <laughs> never. And uh, all my adjustment on day two was simply, holy cow, I barely – I only landed seven fish on day one. And they were all good size, so I knew I was in the area with good fish. That had me encouraged. The fact that I didn't pre-fish and had to – you know, it had me encouraged too that I was at least able to get, you know, seven bites and get five good ones. Well, I lost a couple, so I had like nine or ten bites, but I lost a couple. So I was like, well, I need to have a backup plan because – if it gets tough again, I got to have somewhere else to go. So I created my backup plan on another really good area. And it's actually an area I did fish from the bank pre-fishing and caught one just standing on the bank and a real nice one. So I knew I had that as an alternative, but uh, I just stumbled into that, the magic spot at the grass bed. And, and once I had good fish there, uh, I, I debated, I said, is this more of a reason to take out and go to my other good spot? Or is this less of a reason? Like, should I stick here? It was, I was yeah. you know, tripping out, making that decision, but I stayed. I'm glad I did. I went upstream. And to be honest with you, the, the wood bank that I caught them all on the second flurry was uh, a bank that I history wise, I didn't, I didn't fish it on day one and history last year. It was so low. There just wasn't any current on it. It was so slow and dead. I never caught any fish on that bank, but this year I just, it's just the river bass experience. Just, I just had enough in my brain to say, wait a second, even though last year they weren't here, there was no current, and now there's a nice moderate current on all this wood, I'm going to go fish it. And uh, had I done that on day one, the story might have been a lot different because I was right on that bank, and I actually <laughs> turned and went to the other side of the river, and I, I'm kicking myself now for not figuring that out a little sooner, that they were actually on that bank, like <laughs> hardcore on that bank, dude. But anyway, um, the main thing I wanted to say, my adjustment was, I was catching them burning that light wire spinnerbait, 
And uh, it's not a, a Z-Man bait. It's another one. I don't, you know, it's it's like a little favorite of mine. I don't even like to give that that one up. But but anyway, I burned that little thing, and it's got a small blade that's about the size of those minnows, Jody, that you see flip flipping out. And it's a yeah. light wire, and you can only catch yep. so many fish on it because it breaks after a while, and you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very nervous yeah. about that. And yeah. um, I don't want to like boat flip them, and yeah. I and I Me too. I saw I saw a fish. No, I saw a, a, a piece of wood in front of me that was not breaking the surface. So this is kind of like 10 feet off the bank, but it's a big tree that was not breaking the surface and didn't really create much of a disturbance. So I didn't know it was there until I'm like 15 yards away from it. And I quickly just pitch out in front of me to get my spinnerbait to go over it. And like 10, 15 feet from the kayak, a big like 20 incher just comes and just annihilates it. And I've got it all on GoPro. And my only regret is... In that stained water, now that I was fishing wood, it wasn't on the grass bed where they were hitting that those little minnows. I wish I would have switched to the sling blades earlier where you can really horse them in and, and even boat flip them if you want to because that fish had such a, mm -hmm. a short leash, and it was just like – it was like yeah. the freaking bull let out of the uh, the rodeo, dude. When the – you know, eight seconds, it's like just going nuts next to the boat. And it's just, I'm just – getting towed everywhere and just it's ballistic and i sh i didn't make the right decision i mean who knows what would have happened if i would have tried to just boat flip it that quick because it was you know right there next to me i probably could have spinnerbait might have broke or i might have lost it anyway uh and i should have actually hit the bail and given it more line and just drifted downstream with it and let her play herself out and instead i just kind of kept about the same amount of line out and, and she just was just going nuts and, and she just eventually eventually threw it but that's when i switched that's the adjustment i made i said screw this man they don't need this light wire they're gonna hit any spinner bait you know they're firing on this wood like they were just train train wrecking it and i switched the sling blades with the adjustments i talked about and then it was just on fire for 30 minutes and i was just i didn't lose a fish i'm just hooking them bringing them in pretty darn quick with 30 pound braid and uh you know those 13 fishing like a medium heavy seven and a half foot rod and you know, I wasn't playing around with them at that point. I was like, let's, let's go, man. So <laughs> yep. um, business time. Th that was the adjustment yep. I made. Yep. All right. What about you, Jody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, I mean, I pray for consistency in every tournament I fish. You know, if I've got something decent going, I can usually pull that off. I just want both days to be the same in these Hobie tournaments. And, and the same way if I'm fishing a KBF tournament, I, I want that consistency. You know, both days that lets me know I'm doing something right. But you know, on on the the first day of the tournament, I started out. I mean, I was fishing in a little bit of clear water on my way over to the muddy stuff, and I didn't catch anything out of it. I, but I knew there was fish in there. Uh, I mean, it just looked too good. It had a lot, nice ledge running across through there, and had nice flat holes, a lot of current seams, and ran into a grass bed that was still in the clear water. And uh, I just didn't catch anything off of it. So I wanted to try to capitalize on that first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of, of fishing in the morning when it's still kind of dark. So I, I switched from a, a, shot, a flashy blade. I switched off from uh, the uh, uh, bluegill. I switched to a green pumpkin and uh, I uh, took a Sharpie and, and blackened the blade on it. And uh, I threw a, a, the deal uh, and a diesel minnow on, on it. And uh, I actually picked up, I, I, I got caught a 17 on day, two, uh, day two by making that adjustment just after the, you know, the, the bell rang to go. And, uh, and I missed one that I know was probably 20 inches. And I had another one about 19 to the boat and got off. I mean, it was, 
a horrible way to start my day. But, you know, I felt confident because, I mean, I'm hooking those fish, you know. And then as as, as it got more and more daylight, the bite kind of lightened up a little bit. And that's when I switched back to the uh, the bladed, uh, the shinier blade, the, the gold bladed uh, uh, bluegill. And I put that uh, that gold, uh, what is that? Gold rush. I can't remember. I always call this golden boy, but it's not. It's got the gold rush. I yeah. changed that trailer out. As soon as I changed the trailer out, I had a red bone on, on this because red bone works real well on this, uh, this color, that bluegill color. But just as soon as I, I, they was getting, I was getting, they was getting kind of tappy and I was barely hooking them on the, on the mouth a little bit. Just as soon as I switched out to that gold rush, man, they were choking it. I mean, they were just slamming it hard. I was hooking them way back in the mouth, farther than back in the roof of the mouth. Now, I even hooked some in, in the bottom. <laughs> it was crazy how hard they were hitting that bait. And uh, that was a big adjustment. And I made a little adjustment in the areas I fished on day two. Day one, I still had I was still concentrating on, on some wood because I caught a few fish off wood. And uh, day two... I kind of gave that up. I gave up the the uh, the shaky head bite altogether because it was taking me longer to find the fish on the wood. I was spending a lot of time on it. It wasn't quite as productive of, as what I was finding out there using moving bait out, out in the open, out there in the eelgrass and stuff. So I kind of gave up on it on day two and just stuck just with that chatterbait. And I'm glad I did, man. I caught, I don't know, I caught over five limits. You know, on day two, I mean, it, it yep. was crazy. Yeah. It was absolutely, I caught so many 15s to 17s. I caught so many of those, which is wonderful because that tells us we had a great year class, uh, the year of that spawn, and, and it's just going to get better here in the next couple of years. Those fish are going to be your, oh, yeah. you know, oh, your 18s, yeah. and 19s, and it's going to be on fire next, next year. So I only those, those were the big adjustments I made. I concentrated yeah. more on, on the grass beds and the, the two different types of grass. That eel grass, it grows in basically in, in like mud bottoms. And those those fish were in it. I mean, it was it was great yeah. once I figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. I caught awesome. three fish. That's maybe about the only adjustment I made. Yeah. That was good adjustment. Sounds like uh, obviously it was there was the right ones. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I caught three fish that were under yeah, 50 I, mean, I, I just think they good. yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's a great fishery, dude. Great it's fishery. unreal. It's going to be yeah, really I'm, good. I'm looking forward to the next couple of years up there. Oh, you know, know about uh, about about five years ago, there was a class of fish in there. They were all between 18 and 20. I mean, you could go up mm -hmm. there, and it was amazing how many 18 to 20-inch fish that you would catch in a day up there. And then it, it just it kind of dropped off for a couple of years. And but I see that I see that next class coming in, and I think it's going to happen in the next two two to three years. It's going to be right back where it was five years ago. Yeah, and I that's, think so. I need to go ahead and that's put awesome. that on my schedule then. Put it on, man. Hey, by the way, Jody, yep. have you ever caught Dude. caught a, a largemouth up in the the not the largemouth section by the you know like you talked about where Jay was in town? But have you ever caught a yeah. largemouth upstream yep. in the actual you know flowing river section? Because I caught my first one. It was about a six or seven inch largemouth. <laughs> upstream and i was yeah. like what are you doing up here man so it was it was funny i caught two yep i caught two i caught actually one of them was a a, a spot 
it was about a 16-inch spot. I caught it just above really? Marysville. And, yep, and, and the second one I caught a 17-inch largemouth uh, right there at McKee Half Falls. Mm -hmm. uh, and that big slow stretch above it, not not on the yeah, right side right. over there. But yeah, yeah, and yeah. Was, and it's it's I, nothing but a big slow stretch with right. a big bunch of grass. grass in it. Yeah, a lot of grass. I, caught, I can I see caught, that. I caught one really nice. Yeah, that's and scary. That, that's not the only two large grass I've ever caught. Yeah, yeah. I, I caught hoping, a spot, dude, but I'm it wasn't that, okay. Let me let me clarify. <laughs> Not a Coosa spot. Not a Coosa spot, Our right? That's, that's all that. That's all that matters. In Kentucky, they they don't hybridize yeah. uh, really, so that's yeah. good. But uh, but hey, yeah. here's another quick fact. If you guys don't know this, did you know that the Susquehanna River smallmouth are not native to the Susquehanna River? You guys aware of that? Yes. Huh? Isn't that? I odd? did not know James that. James River either. It's a James River either. Yeah, it's a mecca for smallmouth. The James is a just as I mean, yeah. unbelievable for for smallies. They're not native to the Susquehanna or the James. It's beautiful as no. a more like they are native to the new. To the new they are, absolutely. The new river they are. So anyway, that's just yeah. an interesting story on why it's so critical to not move the Coosa strain spotted bass around because they hybridize with everything. Every, they're the only ones that hybridize with every black bass species except for largemouth. So when you put a Coosa yeah. strain spotted bass population yeah. in somewhere, you will do to the Sus what happened what the smallmouth did to the susquehanna the the alabama bass the coosa strain spotted bass will do over time everywhere. to everywhere and you will no yep. longer have a pure strain smallmouth and, and you, they'll be gone so be aware of, of that but anyway if i'm another, not mistaken good if, if i'm not mistaken drew uh the flathead catfish is not indigenous to mm -hmm. susky either it's not it's not which is why they that, they thought that's was one of the big problems on why the population for smallmouth sort of declined or you had a bad, had a bad few years there, but yeah. it's good to see that it maybe wasn't yeah. due to that. And, it, and there was a couple things, I think some water issues, something happened with water and plus the, the flatheads. And it's just good to know that it's, it's back and it's okay and healthy. I've, I've never seen such a fertile fishery with, you just step on crawfish constantly, helgramites and stuff like that. Oh, lift up it's crazy. And, and, and the thing of it is, most of the time, yeah, most of the time, those smallmouth are feeding on live minnow baits. Yeah. They're not feeding on crawdad. I went up there with a jig yeah. and did horrible, dude. And I, that's all I used to throw was a jig, you know, everywhere. And I go yeah. up there and it's like, yeah. And, and, but as soon as I pick up a move, a spinner bait or a, you know, some kind of minnow imitator, it's, it seems like they, they tear it up. But those fish, no man, that build that they have, that, those genetics, I, did they come from Erie or, or what? I don't know, man, but you, those fish are question. built like Erie fish. And, and, and I live in that current. When you get a fish with that wide build and you give them river mussels, they are, that's the hardest fight in smallmouth I've ever I've, I've ever tried to get in. If they get Dude. downstream from you, like you was talking that one got downstream from you, and they yeah. turn sideways, they're they're horrible trying to get it. You better get on top of them and just run run downstream with them because you, they're going to pull mm -hmm. off. I've had them tra straighten out treble hooks uh, and just pull loose. I mean, they're they're amazing how well they fight. I caught a 15 inch fish up there, and that, on day one, I could have swore it was going to be a 19. I was fighting it, man. I was doing everything perfect. I didn't want to lose it. I pulled in as a 15 inch. Yeah. It, it must have weighed two and a half pounds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's unbelievable, man. Real quick, I have one last question for you. Yeah, uh, how many yes, uh, people were at your 
ramp? Did you have a, a crowd or were you kind of by yourself? Uh, yeah. Over there? Yeah, it's a popular place. Uh, there was probably maybe 15 or 20 on day one. Okay. Uh, but on day two, there was only maybe 10. Yeah. Uh, it's a popular place, popular place to sit in right there. Uh, uh, people float it all the time. It's right there at uh, Port Traverton. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so they, well, they sit in there. And, but I, here's impressive. the interesting thing, dude. I didn't get caught up in that crowd. I, I mean, they yeah. they hung around. They're smiling in there. And a lot of people hung in there for a long time. But I, I took my time, stayed high. And when they moved out, I just went down and I had, I had my pick. There's only right. maybe one or two people in that area. After about an hour, they were all gone. You know? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's cool, awesome. man. So it that, that's amazing. Nice well, even more respect that you put in with that many people and pulled out off you know those fish, especially with people going ahead of you. It, mentally, it can it can mess you up a little bit sometimes when that happens. But um, yeah. obviously, you're an experienced angler yeah. and you know how to get. You know how the importance of boat positioning and the right angles and those casts and you yeah. know what I mean? Like how, how people miss presentation. Yeah, they do. And they, and as yeah. you see by what happened to me, those flurries, if you're not at the right place at the right time, it doesn't matter. You actually, oh, yeah, once, you, you miss all together. Did you see this too, Jody? When the sun breaches yeah. just breaches over the trees and it actually starts hitting the water, they kind of come to life for a little <laughs> bit, bit of a flurry. And those guys had left those yes. spots already. Yes, and you had it all to yourself. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, there was and, nobody dude, that's, that's the reason. That's the reason why I changed that gold blade, that gold blade, because when that sun came up, dude, and, I, and you put that gold on there, I mean, it was just, you could see it coming through that water, and it was just, oh, it was, it was awesome. Flashes, yeah. And, yeah. It was, and it just, it that was the ticket. Yeah. It was. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it definitely showed out again. Uh, final numbers yeah. for anybody wondering that hadn't checked it out. Uh, Jody with 183 and a half for the two day. Uh, as mentioned, Ewing Minor got second, not too far off from him, 182 and three quarter, and Drew right behind him with 181. Uh, there was a bunch of, I mean, it was a very good, you know, top 10. Everybody was, you know, right in there. It was a really good day for yeah. a lot of people. Um, hey, do you mind if I read off the rest of that top day 10? Day one, top 10. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Top 10 or 90. All right, I'll read off. So Jay Wallen, who uh, did really, you know, he really struggled admittedly uh, last year, came back. So shout out to him for yeah. a fourth fourth place, just a quarter of an inch yeah. behind me. So great, great job to Jay. Jordan I was Marshall, so glad to see him come back. Yeah. Oh, me too, man. He's a good dude. Uh, Jordan Marshall at fifth place, a river hammer. I mean, super consistent, you know, 90 and a quarter and, and 89 and a quarter. Christine Fisher, we all know what she can do. And she actually – came back and had the second highest day two of anybody. She, she had 84 and three quarters on day one, yep. 93 and a half, which was, I believe higher than, than even Perkins had on day one. Um, and so that was very impressive mm -hmm. what she was able to do. Uh, and Dusty Yacker was in seventh. Jason Broach was in eighth, Chad Foster in ninth and Steven Sisto in 10th. So congrats to all those guys. Just want to yep. get those names out there. And by the way, I know we don't have Ewing minor on here, but, yeah, yeah, for sure, Jody. Uh, and Ewing Minor is in the lead for the AOI standings right now. So we're probably – he's probably going to retain that lead all the way to the TOC. It's hard to see him because he has, uh, what, uh, a first and two seconds or two firsts and a second? 
I think it's two firsts and a second. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's insane. He's going to be in the lead heading into Eufaula. But um, so I'm sure we'll have him on. Uh, I didn't realize, uh, Jimmy, when we were scheduling this until we texted that you guys have not had him on. Is that correct? No, we we had him on after his win. uh, I think it was on Hartwell, maybe. Okay. Um, Gotcha. So you did. Okay. Well, we'll have to have him on again. Oh, yeah, we will. Um, before the TOC, because that's always a fun one. Have you know, Jody, you and, and Russ and I did that last year when we were one, two, and three. Yes. Heading into the TOC. It's yeah. all coming down yeah. to that tournament again. It always does come down to that tournament because yeah. that's the one tournament that guarantees that all the, the top anglers are all going to be there fishing at the same time, and you can't call it out. So it always comes down to the TOC. You just right. need to be in, in position, yeah. the top 10, you know, eight to 10 yeah. places. To, to do well at that event and hopefully uh, win it. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. But but shout out to him, and we'll have him on, um, I'm sure, before the before the TOC. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Jody, con- congrats again on your win, and this is where we let Thanks, you man. thank everybody that makes that. fishing easy for you. For sure. Oh, man, you know, uh, I use that chattergrass rod. I, I've got the prototype of it, the original prototype of the chattergrass rod that's coming out in September by Cashin. Uh, man, that rod is legit. I mean, I love that rod. I've not had any problems out of it. It's light. It's sensitive. I mean, you can feel everything on it. So that rod really pulled me through this tournament and done well. I could count on it. gave me confidence. Uh, Z-Man baits. <laughs> oh, what can you say? I mean, it's just they were in every aspect of the top 10 or 15 in that tournament. You know, they had a presence there like I've not seen in, a, in tournaments anywhere. I mean, the, the presence of Z-Man at that tournament was amazing. Um, yeah, and Dakota Lift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Love, man. It's, it's oh, so hard to use. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's backwards. It, well, it's backwards. I love that you were searching I know, for it. Man. Man. Like, where is it? <laughs> I was like, man, what? <laughs> what is this, man? <laughs> it's so weird. It's back. I got two left hands. <laughs> I got two left hands. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, man. No, uh, uh, you know, big shout out to uh, Dakota Lithium. Yeah, I mean, dude, you know, I, I camped up there for three days in my truck. You know, uh, and I, I used that power box to power my phone. I blew yeah. up my air mattress every day with it. You know, it has got a flashlight on it. I rigged with it. I mean, it's it's just an amazing thing to have with you. I love it. It's a great little tool. Uh, I really appreciate them. Uh, catch boards. I mean, of course, everybody uses catch boards. But I, I mean, the little uh, the holder for your uh, identifier that they got out, man, that thing, that thing's mm-hmm. slick. Um Poor keto. I know we couldn't use them during the tournament, but man, it got me through a. I covered a lot of water and what little time I had to fish during pre fishing with those motors, man. I mean, they, they helped me a lot. Uh, I, I always, you know, I've been with Torquedo for a while now. Steve Turkla and Jeff Little and Matt Ball is our team captain. I mean, I, those guys are great. I love them all uh, and got to fish with Matt uh, on this tournament. Uh, always a pleasure to be around him. Yeah. Uh, sure. yeah um, no, yak, yak attack, yeah. You know, yak attack is, I mean, shoot, everything I got on my boat that snaps or swivels or holds a camera or, you know, it's it's all yak attack. Uh, big shout out to them. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, man. 
That's awesome. Well, Drew, you did awesome too. So go ahead and tell us uh, just a refresher on who made it easier for you. Oh man. Yeah. I've got a, a long list here. I'll try to keep it short. Um, but you know, I'm out there obviously in the CK one venture from Crescent and, and pre-fishing, I use that little ultralight. Like I said, a lot, it's, it's, it's easy to throw and go, you know, it's super lightweight. And I uh, tell you what, the older I get, man, the more that weight matters to me a lot to be able to put into some of those places that are, they're hard to reach and access. And, uh, but then, uh, the Benny branches paddle was key for me, you know, a lightweight angler pro like I had was, was solid. Um, I'm using 13 fishing rods and reels with Cortland master braid line, you know, usually, uh, like I said, 30, 30 pound braid. And then on the Whopper plopper, I was throwing 40 and, um, and then, uh, what else do I have again, yak attack gear was all over it. I used that new double header that they, uh, they sent us a lot of the team guys and it was oh, yeah. awesome. I love that thing, man. It was really slick. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a rod stager up there with it. That's how I use it. You can turn it side parallel or or you know perpendicular, and use it either uh, you know as a paddle holder on the side or a rod holder on the side, going parallel with your kayak. Or like I said, I turned it the other way, and it's a rod stager up there with the uh, the with the rotor grips that are on it. So you guys should check out that product. It's really slick, and uh, you know catch catch outdoors like you said, catch boards. I mean those guys have been you know supporting me this year in a big way. And I really appreciate them. Um, the Smith Optics, like I said, a couple times it came in really key. I mean, if you don't have good polarized, you know, glasses, you can't see something in the water. Um, you know, that that's critical. I saw that log, and granted, I, you know, I lost a fish, but that wasn't any fault of the of you know the sunglasses. I, they allowed me to see that log. I threw in, like I said, just in time, got the bite. I just blew it uh, <laughs> on the actual landing. But the Smith Optics have been been huge for me. Uh, my biggest supporter is Real Tree Fishing. They're just amazing every year. They they really care about kayak fishing, care about fishing in general. So uh, couldn't do it without those guys. And of course, Z Man, like we've already talked a lot about, definitely definitely solid as well. So I think that's I'm missing somebody. Uh, Power Pole. I didn't you know use it this this uh, tournament, but I got a new kayak coming out with uh, Crescent that'll have. You know the power pole bracket on the back, so or the the four hole pattern with inserts, so you can easily put it on. I can't wait for that to come out here. And, uh, I need to start seeing like sneak peeks of this know, thing, dude. man. I'm getting so like I'm I so ready. Know. It, it, it's, it's a bummer <laughs> in our this day and age how things keep getting delayed because of shipping and how COVID still has this delayed effect on on supply chain and it's it's frustrating. But it, it'll be uh, later this year, so so hang tight. But anyway, the power pole has been great to me as well, and uh, yeah, I mean. I, I'm missing some people, I'm sure, but you guys know, you know, just follow me on social media. Follow Jody; he's got a new YouTube thing he's working on, and uh, it's been really cool to see that and see him growing that. So follow Jody on social. Follow me on social. You'll learn, learn more about all of the, uh, the the products that we use to be successful. So, yeah, big shout out to all those folks, and um, big thanks to Hobie and AJ and Steve and the whole crew. They just do a really, really good job, and and you know we couldn't have these incredible memories without them. Uh, you know all the time they put into it. So mm. big shout out to them. And actually shout out to, I uh, forgot to mention the big bass was uh, Ryan Lambert. So lunch money Lambert, you know, he seems to always come through with, with something. So you got a big bass and uh, you know, mm. he, he spent a lot of time with those guys working on that save, you know, the save JT or, you know, tournament. So um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. big shout out to those guys. Um, and, uh, and all they did for that. And, it, and he got rewarded with, with big bass. So that's right. Kudos to, to him as well. So, well, all right. Well, Jody, I, I'll I'll let you go finally. I know you need to go catch you some sleep, man. I, I know you've been hard at it even after the tournament. 
So uh, we appreciate having you, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again later on this year. And always a pleasure, guys. Uh, always enjoy coming on and talking with you guys. Drew, it's always good to be around you, dude. Uh, I like seeing you at the tournaments, and I love competing Absolutely. with you. Uh, and I'll see you in the next one. Sounds good, buddy. Same here. All right. Good, good night, Jody. <laughs> All right. Another fun one to talk about. Now we're going to roll into everything else that happened this weekend around the country. Heck yeah. Got a few. Got a couple fun ones. Uh, we'll go right into the Great Lake Kayak Fishing Series. They were up on uh, the Mississippi River, Pool 7, 8, and 9, which that's coming Ooh. up for a bunch of the different uh, series is running yeah, around right yeah. now. I want, I want to hear these numbers. This is this is going to mean a lot to me right now. Uh, they had 29 anglers. Uh First place, Jeremiah Burris with 80 and a half. Second place, Greg Vickers with 79. Third place, Joshua Gouger with 77 and a quarter. So I'm I'm kind of curious to know like wow. what the water's looking like and like if they've had yeah. a lot of rain or because I know we had sure. I think this is the third week in the row we've had an event up there. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the lowest the numbers have been. Yeah. It's a low uh it, I know the water's low, but I've just pulled up the Hobie BOS from last year. And Russ had uh, won, I believe, and um, did he win? Yeah, he won. Day one, he had 87 and three quarters, and day two, he had uh, 86 and three quarters. But on day two, mm-hmm. somebody, uh, Alex Steffen, put up 90 and three quarters. Um, so, yeah, and another guy, uh, Nick Matthews, last year had 87 on in second place. Third place, Adam Reiser had 86 and three quarters. Again, this is all day one, 85, 80. I mean, you got to go all the way down to, I mean, my goodness. You got to to get to 80 inches, which is what you said he had. You got to go down to 22nd place with Mr. Jody Queen, 80 and a quarter inches. <laughs> uh, and Christine had the same, basically the same thing, 79 and, and three quarters last year in 23rd place after day one. So something is going on, um, like you could, said, with with the water or something's little seems a yeah. little low. Yeah, could could just be a you know one of those tough weekends. Uh, I know that like I was actually checking the weather up there. I don't even know why. But I guess I was talking to somebody thinking that like last year, this time of the year, I was up up there and the weather, the temperature difference just between being here in Alabama and up there was it was huge. You know, oh. highs 95 here, high 70 there. I, when I looked this week, it was like 94 there. Mm-hmm. So super hot. You know, maybe they're, you know, having some of those like, you know, high pressure lulls like we've been getting down here. Yeah. But who knows? We'll see how it goes. I can't wait. I'm I'm going up in, I think it's September is when I'll be up there. I'm uh, I was hoping to go for the Hobie, but I'm not going to make that one. I'll yep. be at the beach, so. Hey, it's not bad. <laughs> nope. I thought about like trying to trade in weekends, move the beach trip, but no. I, I think I'd rather just relax. So uh, moving on, Carolina kayak anglers. They had their sixth event on Randleman. Uh, Fifty-seven anglers. First place, Marcus Smith with 83 and three quarter. Second place, Shelly Efford with 82 and a quarter. And third place, Ricky Rowland. Just had him on, actually, with 82. Uh, moving on from there, the Real Crazy Kayak Fishing Tour. Uh-oh, press the button. Uh, they were on the Etowah River and Alatoona Lake uh, out in Georgia. 32 anglers. My man, Mr. Craig Dye, got that win with 86 and a half. Nice. I love hearing Craig, man. I hadn't heard his name out there in a while. Craig's such a good guy. He is, yep. Been fishing some co-angler stuff on the bass boat side, so 
but he's mm-hmm. still fishing some, you know, some kayak tournaments too. So yeah, yeah he's, he's always catching them. Good dude. Uh, second place, Rocky Lee with 80 and three quarter and third place, uh, Gage Coley with 79 and a quarter. Uh, moving on from there, New York kayak bass fishing was on, on Onondaga Lake. I make, I might've got that right. 34 anglers. First place, Nathan Yakuza with 92 and three quarter. Good finish. Second place, Jacob Turner with 87 and a half. Third place, Thomas Blaskzinski with 82 and a quarter. Sorry if I butchered your last name, buddy. <laughs> but uh, New York's been having some killer numbers this year. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it makes me want to actually go up there and check it out. Then I think about, you know, it's sure, New York man. and I change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of country uh, in New York, man. There's a lot of beautiful country. It's like everyone thinks of the city, but dude, it's it's amazing. Champlain yeah, the, and the, the Adirondacks, and there's incredible fishing up there. It's just like what a lot of people think with California. I have a I worked with a guy that's from upstate New York, and he's like he's more country than I am, and it's like yeah. you know way bigger fisherman and hunter. And he's like, no, we just get a bad rap from that small area of our state. So, uh, moving on, the Keystone Bass Kayak Series is on Kell Lake out in PA, 36 anglers. Uh, first place, Hansel Lucas, 74 and a half. Second place, Nate Hall, 70. Third place, Brent Heinrich with 68 and a quarter. Uh, the Oklahoma Kayak Anglers had a charity tournament going on on Lake Ten Killer. Uh, 30 anglers. Wow. This is a tough one. Five fish limit. Luke Aaron caught. 47 and three quarters and only caught three fish. And that was what it took to win it. Wow. So super tough day out there. Second place, Adam Jeez. Richardson also with three fish, 43 and a half. Whew. Third place, Nathan Parker, 30 inches with two fish. Uh, all the proceeds from that tournament were donated to John Faulkner, who has been a big part of the Oklahoma fishing scene, who is just diagnosed with stage four cancer. So, you know, shout out to those guys for putting something good on for that. Yeah, for sure, man. Keep him in our and, prayers. Oh Yeah. I hate that the fishing wasn't better for that tournament. You know, it, you, you want to see it all charity events, everything on the positive side, but shout out to the guys that stuck it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on from there, we have the uh, Washington kayak bass fishing tour event. Number four on Lake taps in Tacoma, uh, 31 anglers. First place, Brandon Henning was 77 and a quarter. Second place, Josh Roughcorn was 73 and three quarters. Third place, James Davis was 73 inches. Uh, just a few left. American Bass Association Kayak Series Championship was a statewide event in California. 27 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Rachel Urib with 84 and three quarters. Second place, Richard Clark, only a half inch behind with 84 and a quarter. Third place, Jonathan DeMonet with 84. Uh, one more in California. The Urban, Ang- yeah. Urban Angler Club of LA. We're in Castaic Lagoon. 25 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Ted Yang with 47. Second place, Gilbert Garcia with 44 and a quarter. Ooh, another set of tough ones. Mm-hmm. Third place, Dominic Doan with 44. There were only 21 fish caught, and no one out of the top 10 caught caught a fish. So the the last one, wow. I, I saved this for last just because a bunch of my buddies were in this, and I wanted to make them think I was going to forget about it even after they messaged me to make sure I covered it. Um, the Central Tennessee Kayak Anglers and the Cumberland Kayak Trail did a joint uh, River Radius event, and it was a team event, but they also awarded for the mm-hmm. individual side, too. So uh, Team Nolan Dole, which was 
Uh, Robert Knoll and Trey Johnson took the win with 97 and three quarter combined inches. Um, and that was, I think that was a three fish tournament. I'm trying to look. Yeah. So I think it's best three between you and your partner or something like, I can't remember, mm-hmm. but uh big shout out to my buddy, Will McInnes. Uh His team didn't come out on top, but he came out on top as top angler with 50 and a half for his best three. So good job, Will. I'm proud of you, buddy. Nice job. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, shout out just a couple more guys that uh part of the Music City Outdoors team that I put together. Trey Johnson, uh, his team won fourth place. Waylon West, he's in the running, for, or he's actually winning Angler of the Year right now for uh, CTKA and Garrett Johnson, who put all that event together. You know, all great guys. Proud to be able to tell the world yeah. about you. For sure. Well, that was uh, it. Yeah, that's about it. The only, last thing I'll mention is um, I know a press release went out today about the or yesterday about the you know U.S. Uh, kayak fishing team. And the only thing I want to mention about that, and I know it's it was actually already announced probably months or so ago. I just don't think I've mentioned it on the show. Is there's going to be a U.S. Open held, a U.S. Open event held on I believe Center Hill Lake and the Cumberland. Is it Cumberland River right there? It's a mm-hmm. you can fish a river and a lake. I think it's Center Hill. And it's the weekend. It should be the second weekend of September because there's a KBF Kentucky Lake, the U.S. Open, and then Hobie. Only thing I want to say about it real quick is, guys, this is a, a really cool thing. It's not a, a, a you know competitor of KBF or Hobie or Bass. This is like the, the um, you know, Team USA is just like a, the Olympics. It's part of the Pan American Games, which is all part of the uh, overall Olympic, you know, process, or if you will. And – there's a world championships already scheduled for April, I think 20 through 25th of 2022. And so uh, the USA team is, uh, I believe it's myself, um, Russ Snyder's Jackson or Cody Milton, Guillermo Gonzalez, Eric Jackson, Ron champion, and the winner of that U S open. That will be the last spot on the USA team. So go get signed up for that. It's for a good cause. That itself actually has a, you know, payout like anything else right like a hobie or a bass but what you're trying to do is get involved in the in to eventually this is going to they say it's going to be an olympic sport kayak fishing i don't know if that's ever going to happen but the the guys who actually headed up do say it's very very likely they they feel like it's inevitable it will be an olympic sport but I'm, i mean I, they turn I, everything I into an olympic sport so we better get our piece of that pie i know right and we, we should seriously if some things are olympic sport this should be um i just th- think it's odd that I don't know any Olympic sport that involves an animal. You know what I mean? Like, is there anything that involves an animal in any way? Like something that's not just your own physical, like ability and coordination. This involves something that's completely out of your control. Not in control. (laughs) Yeah, not in control. So I don't know, but maybe it will be because it's an athletic, you know, no motors are allowed in their format. So we'll see. But anyway, they want to get a bunch of people there, raise a lot of money. And like I said, it's not like uh, you got to choose this over any one of the other ones because the actual you know organization itself is to, is to help grow the sport of kayak fishing, right? And make it get it more on the stage uh, by having more of the Pan American Games, and obviously we have the World Championships already scheduled. I think it goes World Championships a year, and then all the the around the world you compete in your own region. So we're the Pan American right championships and then it's world championships again pan american and everyone else around the world is doing their own individual and it's not always black bass in other parts of the world and we're not like when we go to panama for uh 
the one that was was canceled due to COVID, we were all supposed to go to Panama and compete against all the Pan American countries, and we were going to be catching snook, rainbow bass, and uh, peacock bass with the three species we were allowed to, what you know, weigh in or whatever you know, measure in, I guess, uh, for our tournament on the big giant lake there that's part of the Panama Canal. So anyway. It's a real cool thing. It's meant to help grow the sport. So let's let's get out there and support the U.S. Open. If you guys are uh, – the KBF event and the Hobie event are right uh, on either side of, you know, that, that lake I'm talking about, Center Hill. So it's right there in Tennessee. So just make, a, make a, an extra, you know, weekend out of it and come join that, get paid out. But if you get on Team USA, trust me, it's not about – winning money going to the world championship oh, you're representing your country representing your country and i'm telling you it was the coolest experience i've ever had in 2019 when we had those pan-american games and venezuela's there and puerto rico and mexico and you see canada and all the kayak english from there were probably 10 countries there represented and it was just such a cool bonding experience it was something beyond money beyond anything else it was just so genuine everyone's passionate about their country so check out the u.s open guys support that and uh and it should who, be just a, a good time who won the 19 was it was it mexico uh well u.s won the team u.s won yeah the team it, it was just hard to, to kind of it's it's difficult for them i'm sure coming in from another country not knowing the lakes and we all know the lakes of the u.s and uh, you know eventually obviously we'll be in we're going to be in Panama, like I said. We'll be in Mexico for one of the world championships, and, and they'll have kind of home field advantage. But, um, yeah, you, Team USA won overall. Um, Eric Jackson won gold, and I won silver, and I think Matt Ball got bronze. Okay, so, I couldn't. So and I, I, I could be thinking of a totally separate – I, I watched some coverage of one of those, and I can't remember what it was. I, I could be even thinking of, like, Hobie Worlds or something like that. Maybe. I, I just – I covered, I watched so much stuff, man. It all gets lost in the fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think I met, maybe Emily Jackson got gold on the women's side, but anyway, I'm getting all confused now, but I know I was second and EJ was, was first and you know, he, he held home court advantage right there on that, on that lake, like he should have. So that's right. Yeah, man. Good show. Well, another good show. And, uh, we'll hit y'all again next week. We'll probably do, uh, do a club from around the country. I don't think we've got anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, we just covered a bass, so we probably won't cover the Chesapeake Bay event. Uh, just to give some of these other clubs a chance to shout out. We'll yep. see what gets shaken up in the country. or Yeah, we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll see. Well, well, maybe we'll catch up on those fantasy stats and see what the, the earnings are from the, the latest or do something like that since we didn't touch on it today. And then um, maybe touch on the AOI standings when they get updated from Hobie and, and, and KBF. And we'll make it a good show. We'll do some cool stuff, I'm sure. And we'll find a good, like you said, someone really, really – unique and different and highlight some other clubs. So I'm looking forward to it, buddy. All right, man. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks everybody again. And we'll see you next time. All right. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water 
and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com 